Hello everyone and thank you for the download. It's Thursday, June 24th, and this is episode 36 of the Marty Called Podcast. I'm Tim Grassy, and today I'm joined by my co-host, the Sultan Nasaki. What's up, Josh? It's a good day. How are you? I'm doing well. And Yay. a man who, in preparation for this episode, shaved his head, bought a monocle, and bought a hairless cat. Skipper Ben. What's up, Ben? <laughs> Tonight's beer is brought to you by uh, Broken Skull IPA. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin's beer, so... If you want me to screw up Epcot and ruin Josh and Tim's night, give me a hell yeah! <laughs> There's something really wrong with you. I'm still, I'm still going to screw it up. I don't care. You guys are in for it tonight. I'm turning my phone off. It already started vibrating. I see intros going on. Uh, so as Ben just hinted at, we are doing our Epcot build-out uh, to 2035, and we'll get into that momentarily. But uh, since we last recorded, even though it was only a few weeks ago, uh, quite a bit of news has come out since then. Uh, some good news. Both the single rider lines and pre-shows have returned pretty much uh, everywhere on property. I don't know that there's any anything outstanding for either one of those. Um, a lot of the pre-shows returned over the weekend for the stretch or stretching room, the library at the Haunted Mansion, Rock and Roller Coaster, that sort of thing. Um, and single rider lines, I think, started at Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and have since been added to the other attractions that have it, like Rock and Roller Coaster, Everest, Test Track, that sort of thing. Oh, great. Does that mean I get to make my own car at Test Track again? Yay. It does. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Your level of enthusiasm is contagious, Ben. There's uh, nothing worse in that room. It just bogs down everything. Other things I'm happy with, but uh, having to wait in that room at Test Track again, just nope. I respectfully disagree. I think um, Ben is the closest thing we have to an actual Epcot Imagineer from the past decade and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Hates the park. Oh, just wait. <laughs> loathes innovation. <laughs> How many Muppets attractions are you building, Ben? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll save it. But, uh, I am happy about, I, when I was there in November, I did not get to see, obviously, the pre-show for Runaway Railway. So, yeah. uh, I'm excited to see that. Um, yeah, me too. You know, hey, but not, the, the, not, there was not some, Epcot, but hey, okay. No, no, well, you know, it's everywhere. We're not just only Epcot at this moment. We're on but, news uh, now, Josh. We're on news, Josh. Yeah, come on, buddy. Uh, I will say, though, the way, you know, blitzing through the library and the uh, pre-show at Rock and Roller Coaster was quite nice. So I'm going to retrain my brain on having to, you know, spend more time in lines. How to stop? Do you, is it that complicated of a process? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> Um, the other, uh, some other noteworthy things, they have expanded the park, uh, pass reservation availability, excuse me, uh, that seemingly kicked off, um, I don't know, a week or so ago. And the last report that I had heard was from Len Testa, where he had said that they're at 42.5%. So I suspect they have upped that significantly as they're able to staff more and more people. I don't think there's anything stopping Disney from reaching 100% capacity as a possibility other than their ability to staff it at this point. I don't think there's anything the state or the county is saying to them that would prohibit them from doing that other than they need to hire about 20,000 people. So, um, did, uh, did, did Len give you any old Disney documents from like the early fifties that we can read on the show as well? <laughs> he did not. Um, and uh, Josh, <laughs> I don't know if you heard the most recent episode. <laughs> I did not. Uh, on it, they read a prospectus of Disneyland from 1954. And uh, I'm not going to repeat what was said in Please the prospectus. Don't. Yep. 
or but, the way they or the way they read it on the show. Don't do that. Yeah. Either. So what what they did on the show is that they read I would it listen verbatim. to it except for Len's little you know, thing, morning yeah. zoo bullshit he does at the okay. beginning of the show has made it unlistenable for me. <laughs> See, I, that that amuses me, but uh, you know you're not allowed to have fun. But anyway, so the the extent of this, and I posted have fun, the document. Just do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> fun time is from eleven oh one to eleven oh four p.m. Yeah. Um, we have a we have a we have a blueprint for fun. Follow it. Three minutes. I'm giving you guys. Anyway, the uh, the the gist of it was a breakdown of what to anticipate in Disneyland when it opens up, and the Frontierland section had its fair share of racism. It wasn't the most racist word against black people, but it was up there. And either way, like I would imagine it was cringeworthy, and I hope it was cringeworthy in the 50s when it was written. And they did say that on updated versions of this prospectus, yeah, that that cr- language Cringeworthiness was, doesn't normally get into a prospectus. No, like, no. That's that, not the on, first draft, I can assure you that. But, but they said on updated versions of it, it was not in there, but still uh, <laughs> not good is the, is the and, yeah, understatement the, of it. And it's this is more about the way that information was delivered on that show uh, than yeah. the word in there because it was uh, interesting to say the least. We'll we'll just go that way. <laughs> well, so, I'm gonna have to go download that now. We'll, yep. we'll plug that show. Uh, but the way that it was, the the thing that threw me, I'll do it tomorrow since it's Schmurz Day. <laughs> yeah, they they bleeped the word twice. Why it had to be repeated, I don't know. But, <laughs> no, but- they, they, like, they slow they, down, Jim. They they bleeped it twice, and the bleep to me made it sound even worse. Not that it was good, but it just made it sound even worse. But anyway, it's, neither can here I nor try there. And, try and guess. Can I try and guess what the word no, no, was? No, 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 no. no. Uh, yes, no, no, after no, we're no, done no. recording. No, no, no yeah. I'm going to do it now. No, 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 no. because no, 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 no. I'm not going to edit it out. Nope, we're good. All right, I think I know. It's, it's as bad as you think. <laughs> uh, okay. Yep. Anyway, uh, the last bit of news that we have is hey, wait, that every- along with the extra park passes, let's you're, you're missing one of the big deals is the extended park hours as well. You and I are going to get to true, hold yeah. hands in uh, Millennium Falcon even longer than we thought we were going to get to. That is true. So the hours, I think, for most of the parks are now pretty much in line with they were uh, with what they were in 2019, which is which is great. I think Can I the, just guess the, what letter it starts with? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the beginning of uh, the day at Epcot, I don't believe, has shifted to 9 o'clock yet. So I think when that happens, right. that's really when you're going to see it. But I would imagine that would probably happen when the um, uh, like the new shop opens up. And uh, I think you've got Creations and Club Cool. So I'm guessing that they'll have a little bit more of a walking path in Epcot by that point. You bought a park hopper, correct? I did, yes. Yeah, with with an eleven o'clock opening. Now, granted, you're there long, shorter than than we are, but uh, we just, I think we got Epcot for one day. We just can't see the justification of starting our day at Epcot with oh, an yeah, eleven a.m. open. Uh, so we, yeah, we've started our days everywhere else with the plans of leaving that park. You know, maybe at one to get over to Epcot for for the two o'clock. Uh, you know, when the when the park hoppers can uh, start going in at two, uh, and then they extended the park. Uh, closing to 10 p.m. at Epcot. So, right. you know, which makes that just a much easier decision now to never start your day at Epcot. Uh, if you want to go to the parks first in the morning, if you want to swim, do something like that, go to Disney Springs, that's a different story. But uh, yeah, ho- hopefully they get back to that 9 a.m. opening at some point and everything gets back to as normal as it was. But I am very happy that Magic Kingdom's 
open till 10 while we're there because yeah. yeah. uh, there, there's just it, there's really nothing worse than the Magic Kingdom opening uh, closing early uh, and you have that at seven o'clock sometimes for parties and things like that but even nine o'clock is just unnaturally it feels unnaturally early especially for us who have been going for the last you know 30 years and are used to back when the park would close at midnight regularly and, you know, right. extra magic hours till two in the morning, three in the morning. Uh, so at least we have 10 o'clock now to, to enjoy, uh, which you're probably going to talk about the next thing we'll get to enjoy during those time periods. Yeah. So, I mean, to your point in general, we've always hopped to Epcot. It was very rare that we started our day there because it's, a, it's the place where you would most often want to eat dinner. It's, uh, just in general, I think a, a nicer park at night. Um, I, part of that, I think, is that Future World for the last 20 years has felt rather open and the shade was fabricated. So if you're in Future World during the day, it kind of just felt uh, a little bit like uh, you get the sun beating down on you too much. So at night, it really just was a park that came alive. And World Showcase at night is one of the best places in the world to be. So uh, as much as I shit on the evolution of Epcot, um, walking around World Showcase at night is... I think all of our uh, guilty, I don't even call it a guilty pleasure. It's something we just all love doing. So definitely, but that brings us to the, uh, the last bit of thing uh, of news. that's coming on October 1st. Uh, Disney confirmed that harmonious is debuting that day. Uh, they also announced that there is a new show for the 50th uh, at the magic kingdom. We, we mentioned that last episode and we mentioned it previously, but it has a name. It has uh, a, a concept behind it. It's called Disney enchantment. They went through the bingo hopper of keywords for Disney and pulled out enchantment. And that's what they named the, uh, the fireworks show. This will include projections up and down Main Street USA. Uh, ben, I think you've seen the, is it Remember, uh, over at Disneyland where they do uh, that? I, actually, I have not seen that. Okay. I, 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 have not, I was not there when the projection mapping down Main Street uh, started. So, no, I've not seen how that technology is incorporated down, down Main Street. It's pretty cool the, to see what, it go down the street. What was the show where they projected the uh, photos of guests on the castle? The magic, the memories, and you. Yeah, hopefully they've they've learned from that. Well, they've they've evolved that show when they had like tiny uh, snapshots of people that that just didn't work yeah. unless you were right up next to it. So by doing it all the way down Main Street USA, you're not going to be able to see the visuals for everything, but you're going to be close to something, which I think helps. And in Disneyland, where it's a little bit more of an intimate setting anyway, it really works well. So I'm certainly interested in seeing how this works because when they rebuilt the uh, the hub in the Magic Kingdom, the viewing area for the fireworks moved to, so to some of those uh, spaces on the hub for a lot more people relative to just being on Main Street USA. So I wonder if they're going to do anything in those areas as well. I don't think you can really projection map the trees with any level of accuracy, but um, just kind of giving more surface area to add to the show should be good. So um, obviously we won't see that when Ben and I go in July. I was going to say, you're, you're burying the lead here. Uh you know, that's that's big news for October 1st. But before then, I get to see Epcot forever. <laughs> yes, you do. With, without the one of the cooler, uh, unique effects of it, the uh, the kites on jet skis, because they're taking those over to uh, run them at the Animal Kingdom for the Disney Kite Tales show. And they only have two jet skis in the parks. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, Bombardier makes jet skis, they make <laughs> monorails, and Disney just won't call them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think these are all left over from Lights, Motors, Action, too. 
<laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, but you know, yeah, I, I can't wait to give my review of Epcot Forever uh, on the show when we uh, return. That's We're going to have to block will, off a full hour for that by itself. I look forward to comparing notes with you on that. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, nighttime show. They are uh, adding more pyro to it for whatever it's worth. Make sure love, you buy it. Make sure you spend the $26 on a shirt commemorating it. And I love a whole new world, so. <laughs> you know, the best part, <laughs> not, nothing ties Future World together quite like Aladdin. Yep. <laughs> oh, you're about to find out. Oh, God. So with I, that I, note. I've got to be honest. I've been dreading this one. I, this is like. <laughs> this is like giving Hannibal Lecter like a food processor. Like, I, I understand that what's going to come here over the next hour and a half is going to not be pretty for me. Well, I think I would, we should have Ben go last. Yeah, that probably makes sense. And the, the, the sad part is I was doing some of this as a joke that yep. turned into, wow, no, that's probably a – they would think that's probably a pretty good idea. So that's, Again, <laughs> again, I think that is what happened to Epcot. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, I agree. Save mine for last because that way Josh can just – I feel End like the Ash- show on a on a on a down note, and we don't have to hear them, you know, bitch and complain for for <laughs> a while afterwards. I don't. Know. I think you might be mis miscalculating there, but uh, <laughs> I do feel like Ashton Kutcher popped into Flower Street and was like, "I bet you guys wouldn't build a giant shoebox shaped <laughs> building right at the fucking entrance." And they're like, <laughs> "We're gonna call your bluff, buddy." <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so, so you mentioned one of the things we do have rules for Epcot as well. Um, the build out is to 2035, as we did for the Magic Kingdom. Uh, the announced projects have to proceed as announced. So the Center of Future Worlds slash World Celebration is going to proceed as planned. We are assuming a major update to Journey into Imagination, even though that's not something that's been announced. I think that we would all suggest that. So uh, despite how uh, evil Ben is going to do it, uh, I don't know if, if you were given the opportunity to do so, you wouldn't update Journey into Imagination. We're also assuming the play pavilion, or at least I was. But if you guys wanted to do something with Wonders of Life, I, I don't know that they've they're far enough along on that that it's a huge deal. Uh, we're also assuming a spaceship Earth update as well. Uh, we can't relocate things. That was the rule from the last time. Can't eliminate a ride or substantial building unless it's been in place for twenty years. Looking at you, Frozen, unfortunately. Yeah, that t- that twenty year rule really was a huge problem for this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think we, we also said if there is a way to solve the harmonious eyesore, we would all advocate for it. Um, so not going to talk about like ways to do that. Uh, I think the same could be true of the Guardians building, but if you guys budgeted uh, something about that, we can talk about it. Um, so budgets, what we did is we can each add one World Showcase pavilion and not have it affect our budget. That pavilion can include a modest attraction like a D ticket. Uh, if you wanted to add more to it, if you wanted to put an E ticket in there, you'd have to spend some of your uh, your budget to do it. And that budget was between $500 and $750 million. So... Uh, I I kind of played around with a, with a handful of things, but Josh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Why don't you go first so I can okay. cheat off your test? I think you went first the last time anyway. I so, did. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll mix it up a little bit. So uh, same approach that I took for the Magic Kingdom. I came up with the goals and problems that I had. Uh, Sightline issues are a big one here, but we also stripped some of those down already with the rules. Yep. 
So address issues with attractions being thematically inappropriate was the next bullet point on here. Um, <laughs> so Frozen Ever After, unfortunately, doesn't hit our 20-year window. It opened in 2016, uh, but some other ones do. The Seas with Nemo and Friends opened in 2007, and Grand Fiesta Tour opened in 2007. Um, I also said I think the current attraction lineup is weak, although I feel that that is very likely going to be remedied with Cosmic Rewind, an Imagination Redo, and to a lesser extent, Ratatouille. Um, I would argue that it needs one more uh, big e-ticket, ideally nowhere near and functionally different than Cosmic Rewind. Um, I also said the Future World's getting a substantial update, uh, so like it or not, it'll be refreshed, so I did spend quite a bit of money in World Showcase. Did, did, did you mention that we're allowed to do a pavilion with a Dietrich ticket attraction as well? Yes, I did. Uh, you okay. got to pay attention when I'm going. Sorry, to I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can edit so I'll this actually out. start Just there. Edit that out. There <laughs> no, it, it's better if we have this. It's natural. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start there. Uh, no real secret that the biggest uh, rumored pavilion for World Showcase was Brazil. Um, I don't know that a Brazil pavilion is happening anytime soon, nor was it one that was of great interest to me, uh, although I wouldn't mind Brazilian barbecue. So I suggested uh, Greece Pavilion. Uh, usually these pavilions require funding from the host country, and I can't think of a country with more cash lying around than Greece, so I think that's a perfect fit. <laughs> um, it'd also be nice to finally add a sixth European country to World Showcase. Finally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been, it's been a long time coming. They could just rename e- uh, World Showcase to the EU. Yes. <laughs> uh, so looking at where the uh, pavilion would go, there are plenty of open spots, but the most logical ones are to the left of Germany or between Germany and Italy. There's a lot of area there of uh, getting rid of the um, outpost area. There's just a ton of space over there where you could probably add three to four different pavilions if you wanted to. So uh, my ideas for the Greece pavilion um, – whether they do multiple restaurants or not, I don't know or care, but the one that I wanted was more of a Greek festival. Uh, we see these all over the uh, uh, U.S., and I think it would just operate as a buffet, but it is kind of set up like a Greek festival where you've got the carving stations would be hero stations with spits of lamb and chicken and whatnot. Um, and that's kind of the vibe that I got. I went to Greece 20 years ago and had a great time, but going to the nicer restaurants wasn't really what I wanted. It was the street food and things like that that were the big appeal to me. And then for an attraction, uh, I wanted to base it on Greek mythology, of which I know very little about, but uh, it's at least interesting to me. Um, and so for a ride system... Hercules uh, ride. I'm sorry? You're doing the Hercules ride, right? I'm going to call it Apollo's Chariot. It's going to be a great <laughs> roller coaster. No. Uh, <laughs> no, so um, actually, I, I mentioned Bush Gardens, but uh, Ben, have you been on Journey to Atlantis and SeaWorld or Bush Gardens? Uh, I have not, but very familiar with it. Okay. Josh, what about you? I have not. Okay. So I'm not sure who the uh, who the manufacturer is, but it's a hybrid coaster slash flume ride. And in SeaWorld, the, what you see from the outset looks like a straight up like shoot the shoots uh, flume ride. You don't see that behind the show building is a roller coaster. So if you just kind of look at it from uh, the queue, you, you don't really know what it is. You just think it's a flume ride, um, but it surprises you with a coaster. So that was kind of the ride system that I had in mind, but I was going to do the opposite where it starts out as a coaster and ends as a flume ride uh, so that you can go I down to the made, underworld. 
I feel like you're missing the thrill reveal on that. Well, I, I understand. I understand. It's it's less about the reveal there, but the the reason behind it is so that you can. Uh, it starts as a blowjob and it ends as a handshake. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I had that thought as well. Not necessarily with those words. You are a cunning linguist, Josh. But Ooh, the, uh, well played. <laughs> But the the idea was basically so that you could end up in the underworld and uh, uh, go on uh, uh, Karen's boat. That's the uh, the ferryman of the River Styx, and he would just kind of guide you uh, out of the underworld. So what's, what's was, the what's the IP? Uh, the IP is Greek mythology. So uh, Hercules, this, this, I guess, this. is what we got to go to. <laughs> <laughs> just slap Hercules on the front. <laughs> Wasn't is, the intent, but sure, why not? <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know much about Greek mythology, but I feel that there's more than enough story there. And whether it's uh, what I just threw out or not, um, as an anchor for a ride, I think there's enough uh, stories within Greek mythology to be told. Uh, I will also say that uh, related to this in some way, shape or form, Marie suggested that I add a Pompeii attraction to Italy. And it's not obviously a direct link to Greek mythology. But it blows it was, up at some random time each day. It would probably be on the same footprint of wherever I'm putting this Greece, uh, uh, Greece attraction. But I thought it was actually not a bad idea. But to do a, uh, a roller coaster in a mountain, I don't know that Disney's ever done that before. <laughs> so I, I don't know if they'd be able to tackle that. But uh, I figured that to do a... Uh, a ride with that ride system, you'd probably have to add a little bit more to the budget. So I added an additional $75 million to bring that D ticket to a solid E ticket for the Grease Pavilion. So moving away from my pavilion concept, I uh, then stayed in World Showcase. And one of the sightline issues that I wanted to address was the Soren Theaters. So to address that, I am building up rock work and putting a raft ride in Canada. So uh, it might mean the removal of the O Canada Theater, but uh, putting a substantial raft ride out there, uh, and I had a $150 million budget for that. And uh, Ben, if you need a IP for this, I think we got to go with Brother Bear. Does that work? There you go. That works. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Trailer Park Boys would also be a strong candidate. Also a possibility. We could call it the off-kilter raft ride, but that count? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's an homage. So uh, continuing in World Showcase... Uh, I believe there was a bet uh, unofficially with uh, my former podcast co-host, Derek Bergen, about Coco going to the Mexico Pavilion. So we're going to do that as well. Uh, it definitely was a real project. And one of the items that we were using as a uh, a guide for this exercise cited a budget of $75 million for a Coco update to the Mexico Pavilion. So that's what I budgeted for that. My raft ride was $150 million, if I didn't say that. So uh, moving into Future World, uh, I've got a small update going to Test Track. I've long said that the pre-show of the current version of Test Track screams Epcot Center to me, although it doesn't to some people on this podcast. Uh, but I don't That's think that's because the ride- that person doesn't understand the spirit of Epcot Center. <laughs> I actually was doing a um, a uh, search on Twitter to see what uh, what day the Test Track pre-show opened, and I, I uh, typed in Test Track pre-show. And a tweet by friend of the show, Jalen Harvey from 2018, said, why Epcot doesn't have spinning rims as an option on their pre-show is beyond me. And I agree with him. I think that would be pretty funny. They do enough other crazy things in that uh, 
design studio. Why not spinning rims? But uh, I'm suggesting a software update to the vehicle building, but also a restructuring of the queue as well. Uh, we talked about this a while ago. I'm trying ago. to figure out whether or not you actually allocated part of your budget to spinning rims here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, $25 million so you could put spinning rims on, X, on, a, on a test track vehicle. So I now, think we can get that done. So we had a suggestion a while ago about kind of radical ideas. And uh, one of them we thought might work was using the the Dumbo holding area queue in Epcot where the post show became the queue and it's just kind of a holding area and they call you to a to a shorter line. And I, I think that that can really work in test track and give people a little bit more time with the design studio because that is the most Epcot-y vibe of that attraction. So uh, I, I think that changing the actual cue for that attraction to be more of a holding area is a better idea than what's currently being done. And then the changes to the ride itself would see the concept vehicles race the SIM car or otherwise interact with the SIM car on the screens. So perhaps like the anti-lock brake uh, thing or when you try to avoid a a vehicle coming in the other direction, it could be one of the cars that we've designed um, and not just the same content on those screens that run along the, uh, the, the side of the vehicle. Will will the cars have faces? Uh, sure. If you want to add that, you can go. You can hack the um, the design studio and you can make uh, Mater if you want. Does that work for you? How much will it cost to get Larry the Cable Guy to provide some VO? For He's it? actually available. They've got him on retainer. Okay. <laughs> so I, I didn't think that the test track update was going to be that substantial. I budgeted twenty five million for that. Um, so the last thing that I had was a, an update to the Seas Pavilion. And I've, I've been told that, uh, in all seriousness, I know Ben has been asking where the IP is each time, that a Seas update was planned and the removal of Nemo was part of that update where they wouldn't have an IP. Um, personally, I actually think that Turtle Talk with Crush works for Epcot. Um, I don't know if uh, you guys agree or disagree. But I think that there's an educational component to it. It's using characters that kids are familiar with, but it's also got an educational component to it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would say that I think the injection of Nemo into the seas was probably the least offensive uh, you know, example of IP being shoehorned. I wouldn't even call it being shoehorned. I think it actually fits. I yeah. mean, Nemo, Nemo was a fish. There's fish in there. That actually works. You look at some of the hoops that they've jumped through to try and, you know, j- just justify rather than storytell. That one's pretty mild in my book. The the issue that I have with it, and they started with Turtle Talk. Um, the issue that I have with it is, is that the ride itself doesn't really feel like Epcot to me. So there's nothing in the ride other than you see the aquariums, and that's just kind of a secondary component to it. So what I want to do is I, uh, totally see, evict. Okay, sorry, Go, sorry. I want to. I, 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 t- I don't want to interrupt, so I'll, I'll mention it my part. Okay. Uh, I want to get rid of Nemo from the ride entirely, uh, and actually, I'm going to be removing the Omni Mover ride system, oh. replacing it, replacing it with Tokyo's Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea ride system. You thought I was an asshole, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> you guys hate uh, Omni Movers. I don't this know if is, you guys are familiar with it. So, like, it's a tough night the, for me. The uh, the system is similar to Peter Pan's flight. 
um, where the vehicles can dispatch on a moving platform at a consistent speed like an Omnimover, but ultimately it's not an Omnimover as there's some separation once the ride begins. Um, so what I'd like to see them do is integrate sets in the aquarium with the goal being learning about sea life and then a trip to the sea base that was set up near the Marianas Trench. Uh, and we exit the ride and take hydrolators back to the surface. So instead of taking hydrolators to the attraction, you take them back. Uh, so I had a substantial budget for this uh, of $250 million uh, as an overhaul to the Seas Pavilion, uh, opposite side of Future World. So with a big update in World Showcase with a Greece edition, a Canada edition, and Nemo on the opposite side of Future World, I think we're spreading people away from Cosmic Rewind, um, even though that's still probably going to be the most popular attraction in Epcot when all is said and done. So uh, I came in at $575 million. Timeline, uh, the, the high-level things... I didn't have any of my stuff opening until 2027 because they're just doing so much ahead of that. So Greece in 2027, Canada in 2030, um, Test Track 2032, and Seas in 2035. Uh, I don't know where I had Coco. I had Coco in 27, uh, 2027 as well. So those are my high-level uh, suggestions. And I imagine that there probably isn't a lot of overlap with what you guys said. And certainly not Ben. Yeah. Not be surprised. <laughs> okay. I th- so I, as I think about what you say, I, I, I'm not sure it would matter in my mind. It would probably make it incrementally better, but would it really fix what's wrong with the park? Do you think? And this, so, by the way, I don't have solutions to any of what I think is really wrong with the park. <laughs> so I'm, so I'm not criticizing you from the perspective of saying that my idea is better than yours. I think the fact that you didn't have a solution either kind of makes me feel like this place is really doomed. <laughs> well, they've already made the decision that uh, they've got a new fireworks show, which is a gut punch yeah. that, that hurts the park. But I also think if you if you strip things down to the uh, to the raw details, you're left with, at this point, maybe one IP, uh, one or two, depending on your perspective on Cosmic Rewind, that doesn't really fit in the park with the treatment that they gave it. So I, I believe that the treatment of the Seas with Nemo and Friends doesn't fit on the ride itself. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to take out. I think uh, less people are bothered by Grand Fiesta Tour, but I don't really think that's a good fit. And I think Coco is a much better fit for that pavilion. Um, the other areas I didn't add IP, uh, despite what Ben suggested, um, where you're adding culturally relevant things in both Greece and Canada. So you're adding rides that, uh, take away from the inappropriate placement of IP and you're left with, all right, you still got frozen in, uh, in Norway. You've got guardians, which may or may not uh, fit. We really don't know. And that's largely it from a, uh, IP integration standpoint. You still have a lot of unknowns, though, with what are they going to do with Imagination? How is the center of Epcot going to shake out in Future World? Is Harmonious an insult to our intelligence? We don't know a lot of those things. So most of the things that we fear has done damage to Epcot is still to be determined uh, at this point. Yeah. All right, do better. <laughs> okay, so... I'm going to start off by saying that I'm not going to do any better, but I think <laughs> I, if there's any value that I can contribute to, that's if, I, if there's anything I'd say that's worth listening to, I think it's just trying to explain what I think is actually wrong with that park because okay. it, trying to say what I would do to fix it is almost the wrong direction to go because 
absent a time machine, I don't really think that I can. And since the rules that we have in place, which for anyone who doesn't remember, limits us demolishing any significant structure that's been there for less than 20 years. Well, the problem is that I, in my opinion, the biggest problem with Epcot is that over the last 15 to 20 years, they have added things that have been highly destructive to what made the place good in the first place. So in, in a lot of ways, I feel like the actual task here, uh, is unachievable by virtue of the rules that we have in order to do it. Right. We had to make a degree of difficulty. You could level a bunch of stuff and start over, but... It compared to MK, this is this was 10,000 times harder for me to where I don't really have any... Uh, I don't have a lot of specific things that I'm going to okay. say this is what well, I would do. It. So th- the first thing that I thought about when I, w- when I really tried to come up with something meaningful... I'm going to bring a- back Horizons... Nope. <laughs> I, I read a. I remember this quote that I read a long time ago by some, I believe he was French. His name is Antoine Saint something. I can't pronounce his name, so I won't try. But it's a quote you've probably heard. But it, I, And I pulled it up just so I don't misquote the dude. Perfection is achieved not when there's nothing left to add, but when there's nothing left to take away. The idea being that you can actually get something that's correct, and then you just have to stop screwing with it. Right. And that's the problem with Epcot, is they had something that was – so innovative and leading edge that the world truly wasn't ready for it. Can I interrupt? Sure. I do it to you, so it would only be fair. I I think that one of the things that current Imagineering is guilty of, and not necessarily current leadership is guilty of, is that they were such big fans of Epcot. We see this over at Pirates of the Caribbean, and we see it over at Haunted Mansion, is they do want to touch something that is arguably perfect. So leading to your quote... I think there is a component of that saying, hey, I want to put my stamp on Epcot as well. And the problem is the guys that did it originally knew what they were doing a little bit better than some of these other guys. And it sounds, you know, ageist of me, but whatever. It's nice that it goes in the opposite direction. I loved Rome. I was the guy that burned it down. I mean, that's basically what we're dealing with here to some degree. So I I think – One of the most amazing things about Walt Disney is that he didn't look at what existed in the world and consider that to be a constraint on what he could build. He was able to envision what he thought would be better and then produce something that was unlike anything else in the world and just be confident that over time society would find the value in it and that it would work out financially. This is a theme I see over and over with People who generally die being viewed as visionaries or, in some cases, die and then 100 years later, people realize they were visionaries. So I'm talking about you know, Nikola Tesla, Steve Jobs, Walt Disney, these people that truly, in retrospect, transformed the world because their ideas were different than what anybody else had. And Epcot was that. And I think mm-hmm. you have to give credit beyond Walt, particularly to Marty Sklar oh, and absolutely. the team that he had because – John Hench. They – exactly. Sorry. The name escaped me. I was really struggling. They had to, unfortunately, turn what was a rough kernel of idea into a commercially viable product. And they did a pretty damn good job. But it seems like after that regime, there was just this sense that because the ROI on that park wasn't what they hoped it would be, that they completely turned tail on the idea of innovation and tried to turn the thing that they had that was most unique – and their plan to fix it was to turn it into something that was as close as they possibly could to the thing that they knew that worked. And we've been accumulating these little – it's not like there's any one thing you can go fix at Epcot. It's like a death by a thousand cuts. It is. There's so many things that they've just stripped out over the years uh, and just dumbed down. 
Yeah. And what I would encourage listeners to do, and I did this, I actually, if you go on Google Earth and you download the app, instead of just looking at it on the web, there's a time machine function where you can have a view, you know, sky down at any place you want, and you can scroll back through time and see how it's changed. And I did that because I have these fantastic memories of Epcot. For anyone who doesn't know, it's, it is my favorite park and always has been. It's what made me interested in how theme parks worked. And it really had an impact on my life by cultivating my- Would you say my- Epcot is your favorite park forever? <laughs> That's not even funny. <laughs> I have- <laughs> and I, ben and, and I, my laughing tends to disagree. I don't think it's funny. <laughs> But, but in any event, it, it, it truly was an amazing and inspirational place. And maybe it didn't appeal to everyone. But I think that trying to appeal to everyone is the wrong goal. Magic Kingdom is, and I, I'm going to mischaracterize the quote here or misquote the quote, but it's something like Magic Kingdom is where, you know, fantasy becomes real and Epcot is where the real becomes fantasy, something like yeah. that. It was, it was this sort of clear Replace articulation fantasy with fantastic, of the, but yes, you have it. Okay, thank you. Th- this juxtaposition of of what is from what we can imagine there being, and and there's I think a value in having a place that isn't just about fantasy because quite frankly, not everybody's into that. Mm-hmm. And Disney's doing a damn good job of capturing the princess market, but there are other people in there who are more interested in science. They're more interested in technology. They're more interested in the future. And Epcot used to be a place that appealed to that entirely different demographic, but by trying to make it just like everything else, they've, they've given that up. They have a, it is a less compelling science show in many ways from a lot of science centers that are sprinkled all across America. So to me, what the first thing that has to happen, if you want to fix that park, isn't tearing anything down. It isn't building new building. It is figuring out what the heart of that place is. What does Disney want Epcot to be? What is the message that they want to send? And the only thing that I can tell based on the phrenic sort of patently inconsistent, you know, internally inconsistent mess that they've produced there over the last 15 years is that they don't know. And if they don't know what it is they're trying to build, it's like giving 100,000 construction workers shovels and building materials that say, go make something. You know, that's not how you build something great. We've learned through evolution that you, you know, you come up with an idea, then you draw the blueprints, and then you go build the thing. There's this sort of stepwise way that you make something great. And what they're doing there isn't that. And they keep taking these just random arbitrary stabs at making change for the sake of change. And all too frequently, these ideas suck. I mean, and I'm gonna now I'm gonna get into some more specifics. I got another quote that kind of uh, correlates with what you're saying. Let's uh, hear it, about buddy. the lack the lack of direction. This uh, was in my notes from episode three of the show, and I just uh, navigated away from. Was, I, was I on that show? This was your first show. <laughs> okay. At the D23 Expo in 2017, um, Bob Chapek said uh, said this. Now, our work on the park is centered around a few guiding principles. We want to keep it true to the original vision while making it more timeless, more relevant, more family, and more Disney. We're also ensuring that these plans incorporate what we've been hearing from our guests, especially from our families with young children. They love Epcot, but they wanted to have a little more of that Disney wow factor. So that was Bob Chapek. And I think our analysis of that is there's a lot of words there that mean pretty much nothing. Thank and you. And then uh, I think that was probably Josh verbatim. And then well, I certainly Tom, agree with it. I don't know who yeah. said it, but I don't disagree. <laughs> and then Tom Fitzgerald uh, came out afterwards 
And I think somebody had a gun to his head when he said this. <laughs> Epcot is a, there was a sniper in the back. Uh, Epcot was al- has always been it was from day one. He's near Go Lincoln. Ahead. Yes. Uh, Epcot has always been from day one an optimistic celebration of the real world brought to life through the magic of Disney. Agreed. It's the re- it's really kind of a living showcase of the world we have created and the world we continue to create together. Agreed. It's a place where the real becomes fantastic. Agreed. And the fantastic becomes real. And that's when I swore under my breath at the uh, <laughs> at the expo because that just shows and I think a part of him died inside as well that they recognize the difference and they're just combining them that right. they said it there that this is going to be another variant of the magic kingdom. Um, it may have some unique areas in, uh, you know, pockets of world showcase, but when they put frozen in world showcase, that it, it was the uh, greater linchpin uh, to the downfall of Epcot than uh, the seas, which I think was a component of it. Putting, putting frozen in world showcase, is not a condemnation on the actual attraction itself. It's just the placement of the attraction. I think, uh, Josh, you and I went on it on the same trip, and our comment was, it's a pretty good ride. It's yep. just in the wrong spot. Yep. So I, I mean, the, the thing is this. Disney taught the world a lesson, which is that there's value in placemaking, mm-hmm. and that having a world that is that is a overarching arc that is filled with individual experience that are chapters of that is better than just having a random assortment of rides, even if they're all individually good. Disney was the, it would be like Einstein all of a sudden saying that, you know, there's no such thing as relativity. It's like, you know, (laughs) they were the ones that came up with this before, before Disney, we didn't expect a cohesive story from attraction to attraction. Disney told us we should, and we said, okay. And then they built Epcot and changed it and said, ignore what we told you before. That was wrong. The problem is it wasn't wrong. They had it right the first time. So they're violating the, the, the you know, it's just rich that they're talking about how the evolution of Epcot has been guided by principles when the only thing that they've ever succeeded in doing and changing Epcot since about 1997 moving forward yep. is to violate the principles that made Epcot what it was. And the, the irony to me the thing that I really love about theme parks, the, the thing that drew me in is just the amazing guts and, and, and thinking that it took to produce something that was so big and so expensive and so risky. It's just, it's just a fantastic to think that any person or group of people could actually be so effective in their life and so risk tolerant that they could produce this new enterprise that never existed before. That's the part of it that really just is compelling to me. And what's amazing is if you look at the last 15 years, which is what we all pretty much agree has been the worst, you know, the dark ages for Epcot, look yeah. at what's happened in other industries. Look at the smartphone industry. Everybody had smartphones. The first thing people did was they made a smartphone, right? Apple first, then, uh, you know, uh, Google and another companies. And then they were all sort of the same. And these companies realize we can't just offer the same products as our competitors. So one company starts making phones that are really big and another company starts making them that are really small. The point is every business understands that differentiation is really, really valuable. You don't just want to have the same damn thing as all your competitors. Disney seems to be doing the opposite. They had a truly differentiated offering, something that would have been really, really hard for their competitors to make. They had a strategic advantage in something that they had. And instead of leveraging the fact that they had something unique and figuring out how to maximize 
its potential, they said, oh, this seems hard. Let's just turn it back into what everybody else is doing. But the rest of the industry didn't do that. They just started copying <laughs> Disney. So I, th- just this is just this race to this mediocrity to where everything is the same. And it's, uh, it's disappointing. I don't know the rest of the industry is actually copying Disney. I think Disney is copying the rest of the industry at this well, point. Well, I, I would say now maybe, but I, if you go back to when I'm saying that the Epcot sure, train sure. went off the rails, then I, I think my statement is true. But yet, no, I, I, I think, and your point maybe is one I can wrap my point up with, Disney was the innovator. They were the leader. They were the ones that everyone was looking at. And I think that there's a very strong case to make that now, and for the past several years, that that isn't the case, that it's the other way around. And that sort of transfer of leading innovative thinking, that's the problem with Epcot, mm-hmm. right? That I, I think that the best way for Epcot to be better would to have some company other than Disney be in charge of running it. because Probably. This is not a company that has the guts to do what it takes to have a park whose value proposition is that it's innovative and unique and unlike any other theme park. And the only thing you have to do to prove that I'm right is reread the statement that you made from the from the leader of the parks division. They want it to be more Disney-like. Well, what does that mean? It means what, what it really means is they don't want it to be special. They don't want it to be unique. They want it to be an overflow area for people who left Magic Kingdom because it was too crowded. Right. They so, want to homogenize it. Is what so, um, five parks, all the same. So there's four by my count. So Gary was only on this show uh, for two episodes. I, I, yes, I just broke my NDA. Oh, Gary must have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's your takeaway from this. <laughs> that should be the episode title. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just hung up on that. My bad. Sorry. That'd be a, Sorry. That'd be a good I, I missed Dave. <laughs> Gary sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Open it What's going to be great is in July, I'm going to have it set up so that uh, Ben and Gary awkwardly meet, and <laughs> I can play referee as the two of them fight it out. Gary's very nice. He won't fight. I like Gary. I'm kidding. I like Gary, even though he likes the Eagles and Wawa. He's, that's pretty stupid. But whatever. Gary li- doesn't like the Eagles in as much as he doesn't like any sports. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing beats eating a shitty hoagie while listening to some Don Henley. Yes. <laughs> So, so going back to, I, I did have speci- some specific. I was going to say going back to Josh. I, I want to wait, 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 wait. Did Josh really think I meant the Eagles, the band, or the the sports team? Because I find that very humorous. <laughs> I didn't even catch what he said. Uh, that he meant. <laughs> shitty hoagies and Don while listening to Don Henley. Yeah, he meant the uh, the yeah, Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> See, yeah, I know Josh Gary better than you. I guarantee that Gary doesn't know anything about football. <laughs> I bet if you asked him to pick out the shape of a football, I doubt he would get it right. (laughs) That's a hockey puck, Gary. Love you, Gary. (laughs) Go fish. (laughs) Anyway, the first thing that I would do, which I think does not violate the rules, is – and this is full credit to Martin Smith. um, They have to make a way to get these um, floats out of the the lagoon. Yes. It it is – this is by far – this makes the wand look like a loving kiss goodnight. This is a terrible travesty to sight lines. Mm-hmm. Even if the thing, and you know, the joke with Disney and with any company really is that the product is never as good as the marketing materials, right? Right. I, I mean, that's just reality. You don't you don't send out your B work and say this is what it's going to be. <laughs> it just it's going to look better in the concept art than it does in real life. If this thing looked ten times better in real life than it does in the concept art, then they concept art, then they made a huge mistake by doing it. I mean, these things are gigantic. There's a bunch of them. It looks horrible. And when you look at the concept art, honestly, what they're going for, in my opinion, is really, really disappointing and not very exciting at all. Ben made a mashup of uh, 
The Fast and Furious is IP. It's the best thing I've ever seen. It is way better than anything that's actually going to debut there. I think we'll probably be a link to that in the show notes. Um, so, so that would be the first on, thing I want to I do. I cut you off again. You hit on the advertising. This is why our shows are three hours, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you hit on the advertising. I just watched, uh, I assume you guys are familiar with the comedian Mike Birbiglia. Yes. No? Okay. Uh, um, so he, Birbiglia. He did a uh, a bit where he was talking about how uh, good pizza companies don't have to advertise. They get the good word of mouth. And said good things generally don't advertise. You don't see ads for Paris. You see ads for New Hampshire. And I thought that was a pretty <laughs> funny line. It is. It, it's not entirely true, but it was still funny here that if, if you see them doing a big marketing push for Harmonious. You don't and see ads for cancer. <laughs> and, it's, and it's got the uh, uh, the rivers of light vibe when you see it, then uh, then you know you're in trouble. But um, I am optimistic that the show will at least be technically impressive. I don't see. I don't. Th- I don't think it will be. We shall I, see. I, I think that they're making the same mistake with this that they did with the wand. Is that they are? I hope you're wrong, but fear you're right. Here's the problem. What they're they're bringing, this is, all right, this is a weird analogy. I know at least one <laughs> listener who appreciate it. When you go see a flight demonstration team like the, approach, Angels or, the or, or the Thunderbirds, they have the high show. That's the one they want to do when the weather's good, mm-hmm. where they're doing big vertical maneuvers up in the maneuvers up in the sky. Then they have the low show where the weather's kind of mediocre, where they're they're kind of up there, but they can't go, you know, vertical. And then they have the flat show when the weather sucks. And the reason it sucks is because everybody's eye is drawn down to the horizon. It's not as exciting as having the whole sky be the canvas. Mm-hmm. And with uh, Illuminations, Disney had a high show. They had a show that took advantage of the most uh, you know, impressive thing that, that the World Showcase Lagoon has, which is its size. And they put these late, you know, they just drew your eye up and out. And there was, uh, you know, it was just this very impressive, grand experience. And what they're doing is they're replacing it with the flat show. It's stuff on the ground. Water fountains, really? Projections on screens? I'm sure that was really impressive in 1960. It's not impressive to anybody in 2021. I think this is going to be an absolute letdown. And if the same team is responsible for this, who's did Epcot forever, then I'm sure that I'm right. Because that's a turd. So I just think, again, it's like, it's not, I would love to get back to a place where the only thing they screwed up was the implementation. The problem we have with all of this stuff is the idea sucked from the beginning. If Even if they nailed it, it's crap. I just, this is getting rid of illuminations for this was a stupid move. And we've had a year of evidence and they keep floating more crap out there to keep proving it even more. The biggest complaint that people had about illuminations were the low fountains and the technical, uh, the, I don't know, say the, the effects of the globe. Yeah. And look what they did. See. Now that's all that's there. That's, that seems hey, to be the, the heart of this. We're upgrading they, did, they made from, it bigger and uglier. We're upgrading from <laughs> yeah. SD to HD though. It's true, <laughs> but it's 720p. It's not like 4K. <laughs> the only time I've ever seen any image on that globe is in the Martin's vid, where he literally like paused it, zoomed in on it with I assume was like a 200 millimeter lens, you know, freeze framed it, and then captioned it. So I, I, I never knew it was just a schmear. You know, was I, it a picture I, of Martin because he was in the. I think uh, he said that. Yeah. Attack, yeah. Yeah. And good for him. I mean, he he's if there's anybody that I've never actually met in person that I'm confident has. I would agree with his ideas on that park. It's him. Like I, I, I think he and I are on the same page there. So, but it's amazing to me that the company. That I, I would think they would hate him because it, I don't think he stands for the ideals that have been uh, installed there. That's for sure. Uh, not to shit on Martin, but he 
did not, at least at the outset, think that the whole new world ending of Epcot Forever was going to be a problem. Well, so, you know, nobody's perfect. And But at the same time, if, <laughs> if somebody like Martin was in charge of Epcot, I would not be concerned about its future. It goes Agreed. to, you mentioned 1997 as a specific year that you thought was kind of the downfall of Epcot. And that, uh, that predated. I, yeah, I, was try, I was trying to ballpark it. No, that, the, from an attendance it, standpoint, that's a logical da- date as when well. When did the one come down? Uh, I'm not sure, but oh, it that was. was, that it was, went, that was I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I answered our question. It went up before, it went up in about 97. Uh, because it was they, Epcot 94. I think it was 94. Okay. 94. Well, because they it was up for seven years, I know that, and it was originally, and then they turned it into two thousand wand. So hold on, it, it was yeah. like two years after that. Yeah, no, so it was two thousand before Epcot. No, 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 other way around. Or, or no, you're right. It no, it, it went up in two thousand. Yeah, yeah, I've got it wrong. Yeah. Epcot right. ninety four was another rebranding, but it went up in two thousand for the millennium. Yeah, yeah it went up for yeah. two thousand, no, and they were like, "This is such a great idea. Let's take the numbers down and put up Epcot." Yeah, that's yeah. right. So in ninety four is when they they actually renamed the park to Epcot ninety four. Right. Yeah. Like, because th- th- I swear Microsoft must have sent someone there like, we have an awesome, <laughs> do, do you know how close we were to Epcot XP? <laughs> like that, that could have happened. We got, we got Epcot ME right now. That's the problem. But you meant, you mentioned 97. And I think if I were to look back at, uh, at things with a critical eye, I was, uh, <laughs> a, an early adopter on animal kingdom for the first, you know, 10 to 15 years of that park's existence. It did not get a lot of love from the fan community. I was uh, in the minority there, but uh, I loved Animal Kingdom from the get-go. And part of that is that I like going to zoos and just felt that the entire vibe of the park was was uh, consistent with uh, one notable exception of Dinorama. But part of the reason um, that Epcot fell out of favor for me is that the Animal Kingdom opened in 1998. So I would hmm. say as a kid, you got uh, up until 1998, I, I moved over from Epcot to Animal Kingdom. And... I don't think that the, – the biggest thing that happened there is uh, Horizons had gone seasonal at that point and um, World of Motion had closed in favor of Test Track, which opened in 98 or 99. So it wasn't totally changed and I think at the outset people were excited about Test Track. So that wasn't really a dumbing down by any means. It was just a change in evolution of the park. But uh, I think – for me, I felt that Animal Kingdom perhaps was the uh, uh, the fresh new park, and that was what interested me. But I would say that you know a good eight to ten years of neglect, and then ten years of unfortunately non neglect, where they just effed it up even more, uh, is really what led uh, led to it. You said death by a thousand cuts, and that's really what happened to Epcot. I don't know that it was a single moment in time, nope. but if you look at uh, attendance numbers. They peaked in 97 and haven't really reached that number again or didn't really reach that number again until like 2018, 2019. Um, it, it never really survived the opening of the Animal Kingdom from, a, yeah. uh, from an evolution standpoint. Uh, that and you have like two, uh, 2001 as well with September 11th that hurt the attendance across the board. But all the other parks rebounded from that. So. All right, I'm going to bang out my last couple of ideas real quick here. Okay. Um, the first one I know is going to be about as popular as my stroller idea was from the last episode. <laughs> oh, boy. But I would uh, get rid of the parking lot at Epcot. Because okay. if, you, if you think back to my Magic Kingdom uh, update, I allocated money for expansion to the TTC and modernization of it and improvement of the monorail system. So I'm going to, I'm going to leverage that now. I think that a storytelling 
mechanism that Disney's really good at that they failed to do at Epcot is this, uh, you know, boundary layer between the guest and the experience. Okay. There's really something cool about the fact that you can't drive up to magic kingdom. It's different than every other theme park that I've ever been to. And I think that there is, whether you're four or 40 or 105, I think that riding into a place on a monorail creates a different state of mind than driving there in your car and having to deal with all of that. And I think that separating the guests from that is really, really good. Um, so, and it also opens up a lot of real estate. Now I, I talk about the berm, you know, being in front of the berm or behind the berm. That's a little bit of a problem with the, the way the monorail beans come in. Cause if you got rid of the parking lot, anything you put there would be visible by the monorail, but it's still better than going over a parking lot, I think. So, um, that would be what I would do. So that would be a, that would be quite a bit of money to build enough parking space and capacity at TTC to get rid of that. But I think it would truly enhance storytelling, make people take a mode of transportation to the park. It also, and this is probably bad for revenue in some ways, it's a barrier to the locals, which is a problem they're having. You know, the, the fact that people drive there, like you said, because after dark Epcot is really comes into its own, it also gets really, really crowded. And a lot of those people aren't spending a lot of money there. There are people that come there for dinner and that's it. And then they leave or they come in there, walk around, do one ride and leave, Gary. <laughs> so I think this would help with that. But mainly it's the storytelling thing. I think at the end of the day, Disney's just got to double down on what its core competencies have been. And that is being true to storytelling. Does it have to be a monorail? No, not necessarily. Could it be a, uh, a speedway? Uh, not not speed. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. Not a speedway. <laughs> a people, mover. Uh, people mover. I apologize. I think that's the that biggest be, mistake I've ever made on this on the show. That, that would be amazing. I would love that. I mean, that would be so consistent with the original idea of Epcot. You know, new, modern, efficient modes of transportation that aren't polluting. I mean, mm-hmm. that the Epcot parking lot experience. That's not good. You know, Can just, I also I, suggest that it's a new – I mean, since we're doing pie-in-the-sky type things, that you have a parking structure that isn't necessarily the TTC, but a separate one for Epcot that's that's near it but not right up against the entrance. Yeah, I think that it doesn't have to be the TTC per se, I don't think. Obviously, there'd be some – if you wanted to include the monorail, you'd have to have some infrastructure changes if you put it anywhere other than the TTC. But yeah. I, I think you're right. I think – I mean, a people mover – Maybe a covered version of it, climate yeah. controlled, whatever. Um, but I, I AC think cost that, extra. We can't do that. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I mean, books have prefaces, right? I mean, aren't you sort of telling the story before you walk through the gate? I think you are. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that this is one thing that even going back to '82, Epcot was worse at the Magic Kingdom. So fix it. We got billions uh, so of dollars. I, that's what I love most about this show is. We spend money with impunity. Well, and, and like the thing that Josh like cherishes, like I love the experience of the extra time it takes to get to the park is like the thing I hate the most about Disney World, but the TTC and the, the extra struggle to get into the Magic Kingdom. I love how we all just have different brains when it comes to uh, That's coming up with these you ideas. That's understand what you're doing. <laughs> well, I mean, to Ben's me, point, like this isn't anything that I would have come up with. Let me take an extra 45-minute step cut. Yay. The um, – but there's a transformation that happens. <laughs> the idea here, though, like think of the uh, the parking garage over at Universal. You're on a bunch of moving walkways. It's not mm-hmm. anything uh, spectacular, but you can see you can see a little bit of what's going on. Yep. I think that let's just uh, use this as a reveal. Another 
thing that's addressed here. Foreplay, I think is the word. Yeah, okay, so you're being tantalized a little bit. Yeah. But uh, you can also control what's being seen here. And if you control the, uh, uh, whether it's a monorail, whether it's a TTC, uh, the giant show building for Cosmic Rewind, you can't see that. Now, in the park, you only have to theme part of it. Whereas uh, coming from, uh, you you can see it pretty clearly from the parking lot right now. But if you're coming in on only a monorail or only a, uh, not speedway, (laughs) but people mover (laughs) vehicle, uh, you can control the sight lines there as well. And I don't necessarily uh, have this. I, I understand the why of why the Magic Kingdom was set up the way it was and the reveal and how magic that is, especially the first time. But uh, like Ben, um, I am one to to walk in and be in the park as quickly as possible. See, I didn't the, know this was an option because I would have filled in Seven Seas Lagoon and moved that parking lot up a, a mile. Uh, that would have been the first <laughs> thing I did for the Magic Kingdom redo. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I mean, so I want to respond to what you just said, Tim. Okay. Because everybody could be more efficient by reading the last chapter of the book first. Like, why struggle through the first 13 chapters when I can just see who done it? I have you, friends who do that, though. They're last page readers. But anyway. But you're cheating on yourself. Oh, I agree. Uh, so I, I think that – and the problem is that people are like water. They find the path of least resistance. So you, you can't – and Disney, actually, this is a perfect tie into Epcot. Uh, the Seas, for example, for the first, I think, 18 months, the pre-show and the Hydrolator experience was mandatory. That was the mm-hmm. only way to get into the ride. And then people wanted efficiency. They had done it before. Oh, I just want to go on the Omnimover. So they you know, probably pestered cast members to the point where it became a policy change to where the pre-show then became optional. And no one did the pre-show. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, if you view a theme park attraction as getting to the end, you're missing it. Then if that is really what people want, then Six Flags has got it right and Disney has got it wrong. That's really where we're at. Disney's trying to tell a story. Six Flags is trying to shake you around. If what you want is to be shook around and Disney's going to kowtow to that, then they've basically thrown in the towel on storytelling. Devil's advocate to that? There was a, a line by Walt about uh, guests uh, working a pathway out of a, uh, a a grassy area and said, no, there should be a pathway there because that's what the guests want. There's a component of that, but Walt also right, made a I'm going to counter that. Uh, Henry- Walt made a living of coming up with things that guests didn't know that they wanted. Well, yeah. So Henry Ford's famous quote was, if I listened to my customers, I'd be making a faster horse instead of a car. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I, I mean, I, I get it. Uh, and part of that argument might be, and not to shit on hydrolators, but it could be that the hydrolators weren't. A- <laughs> That's got to be the funniest thing I've ever heard anyone say. Davis sh- says, "You think you'll never hear an adult say not to That's shit our- on hydrolators, but comma." That's our first T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that is. I'm going to get. Okay, the so anyway, store. to finish that sentence, not to shit on hydrolators, the uh, idea of bypassing them might not have been presented. If they were a more popular uh, pre-show, if if they were the stretching room, I think most people now have the stretching room as uh, it is a good thing that it's back. And unfortunately, everybody quotes it as they're in there. But um, it is a more integral part of the experience. Well, that should be illegal. Mansion. So you could you could make the argument that the pre-show that was being bypassed at the original C cabs was not uh, significant enough or interesting enough to maintain people's interest on trips two, three, and 10 of the uh, uh, going on to the attraction. The ultimate way to test your hypothesis would be to make the uh, stretching rooms optional. Yep. 
you know, I, I, I don't have as much trust as you. I think there's a whole bunch Fair. of locals who would just blow right through that. And there'd no, be, right. and then a bunch of guests who had never been there before would follow those idiot locals. Well, you know, Ben said I, at the outset about skipping pre-shows. But I, I just, pasta. if you're going to tell a story, tell the story. I, you know, I, it's, I think Walt was pretty committed to that. I think there's a difference between telling a narrative and having built a sidewalk in the wrong place. So while I, I appreciate your metaphor, I don't think that it actually represents the same psychological thing. So did you spend $700 million on infrastructure updates again? <laughs> <laughs> I already told you. So I asked Heather, this was such a hard one for me. By far, this is the hardest one I've ever, ever done. And I, and I, for the other two parks, no problem. Like I could Studios tell you, I could do that right now. going to be very interesting when we get to that because. And Animal Kingdom is super easy. Yeah. But I went to Heather, my wife, and who loves Epcot and we go to together. We spent our honeymoon at the Contemporary, but most of the days we spent at Epcot. Uh, and I said, if you had a billion dollar budget in 10 years to make Epcot better, what would you do? And the gist of it was like, build a dome over it, like control the climate. I'm like, okay, well, that's sort of not technologically feasible. But Not a fan of the show, is she? But she <laughs> Marie just even, followed our Twitter account, by the way. <laughs> she doesn't like listening to any of us talk. That's probably fair. <laughs> me, me especially. That's good taste. You know, but... So she agrees with you that there's a lack of cover in Future World, which is sort of a bummer for me because some of the things that I've really hated in there are those awnings that they had behind Spaceship Earth and in front of Test Track. But that's a story for another day. Yeah, put trees there. Trees work as well. But I think, oh, the the other idea I had, I had one more. I know I've dragged on because mine was more of a soliloquy about what this company's done. To yeah, break so far my heart. you haven't spent the dime. <laughs> no, I have the monorail and all that, the parking lot. Come on, that's going to cost seven hundred million. Okay, <laughs> hundred million on the uh, stroller. What country are you putting <laughs> in World Showcase? Uh, okay, yeah. So I had an, I have two ideas left. That sorry, uh, I'm going to go ahead and build the ride and river ride in Germany. Okay. Um, boat rides are good. And again, not every guest is looking to be shook. There are grandmas and grandpas and older guests and people that, you know, are averse to uh, fast, thrilling rides. And a boat ride is a crowd pleaser. So I would do that. And there um, aren't any of those in Epcot as well. Uh, agreed. I, <laughs> a, a clear weakness in my plan there. No, I had the same thought, though. That's why I kind of went with a hybrid. But anyway, continue. Okay. And the final idea I'm going to share is a and this actually violates the rules, and I'm going to do it anyway because it's so critical. <laughs> a proper space pavilion. Okay. We are in a really exciting time right now, and I think Disney needs to uh, – Why does that violate the rules? Because Mission Space hasn't been there for 20 years. Mission Space opened in 2003, and this effectively begins today. So push your space pavilion off until 2023, and you've satisfied the rules. Okay. So like I said, technically, this violates the rules, or we could wait, and then it won't. But yeah. I want to start now. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't – I actually apl- – I'm going to say something that might surprise some people. I applaud Disney for building uh, Mission Space. because it was before. It was innovative. It was yeah. an attempt – to make something new and unique. It didn't work. It's a letdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of reasons. At its most intense, it is off-putting to a lot of guests. And at its mild, it is off-putting to almost all guests, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, it is not capable of being a compelling experience to a wide enough demographic to be considered a good ride. And it occupies a critically important space within uh, whatever it is that they call future world now. So, I think that needs to be replaced with something that embodies what Epcot was all about from the beginning, which is the fact that even though you are just a 
person standing in a theme park that if you are passionate enough about something and willing to commit your life to it, that you can make it happen. We are living at a time right now where there are certain individuals that are doing that. You know, the, the access to space, the cost to put something in space has never been lower in the history of mankind than it is today due to individual people, not massive governments, not, you know, huge corporations, individuals who gathered other like-minded people and got this done. That is the most compelling story uh, in business today and also, in my opinion, in science today. So doing something to to connect people that to realize that they have the ability to do things that might seem impossible is there's nothing more Epcot than that. And, and Mission Space definitely does not do that. So um, I don't know how you go about doing that. I've never claimed to be a brilliant story writer or, uh, you know, that's not my thing. But I know those people are out there and I would love to let them loose on that idea and see what they come up with. So I somewhat anticipated you addressing the space pavilion. Uh, part of the reason why I stayed away from it. I'm sure you've seen the concept art for it, the original space pavilion concept art. Have yep. you seen that, Josh? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I might make this the uh, the image that goes with the show because it's a pretty cool image. And the thought that I had, if nothing else, regardless of whatever attraction goes in there, is that this is at least an aesthetically interesting design. And it doesn't have to be this, but something that is otherwise aesthetically interesting to go on that footprint would satisfy the the job of hiding the Cosmic Rewind building. Yep. And doing something like that would uh, – kill two birds with one stone. You're adding a, a refreshed attraction, a refreshed area, but also uh, fixing a sightline problem, which we complain about all the time. Um, right. I don't know what a space pavilion would entail. I think... Uh, Build a launch tower. I mean... <laughs> well, that's what it was. There's a, there's a gantry on here that, like, it, yeah, sh I mean, it shows... I mean, they've done... I mean, uh, there was a rocket ship at the TWA, TWA uh, you know, pavilion at Disneyland on opening mm -hmm. day. And it, what did they call that? This was that the space liner? Is that what they called that? I forgot the name of the rocket, but it's not there Steve. anymore. I don't they called think, it right? Steve. Steve. It, you know, there's again. This is like the high show versus the low show. Um, I think the Mission Space Building is actually kind of interesting architecturally, but it's yeah. it's flat. It's not. Its size is all hidden from view from the guests, so it's not really impressive. The Horizons well, they, Building they do was that not with a that. Lot, though I mean, that's not. But that's not out of character. But normally they do that in order to conceal magic, not to mm -hmm. avoid being grand. Fair. You know, I mean, if you look at uh, views pointing toward where spaceship, uh, where uh, Mission Space is now, back on Horizons was there, that building was remarkable looking. It looked like a spaceship had landed there. You know, I actually no other... thought the Horizons building was ugly. <laughs> it was ugly, but it was grand. <laughs> <laughs> it's ugly, but at least it was big. Like me. <laughs> so that's did it. You, did you have, okay, you didn't have anything else for yours. What did you budget for uh, various things across the board? I don't, I have no clue what anything I talked about costs, <laughs> so I don't have any budget at all. Okay, so we have 700 uh, mil for the infrastructure <laughs> and uh, 20 bucks for a new space pavilion. Yeah. Got it? Okay. I mean, look, just make it right. I don't think Walt <laughs> did it that way. I know he was budget conscious, but I don't think he was budget driven. Yeah, he, he let Roy worry about that. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So Josh didn't spend any money. Uh, ben, you're going to spend uh, I don't know a billion dollars on fucking up Epcot. What's your plan? Uh, well, how much does a theater cost? Like seven hundred million dollars? Because I'm yeah, <laughs> that was 
Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but theaters all over the place. Put it in World oh. Showcase Lagoon, why not? Just throw a big well. theater in the middle of it. I do have a theater coming up, but we'll save that for a little later uh, down okay. the line. This is going to be really hard for me. This will be yes. painful. <laughs> it's going to be painful because it's probably the most realistic. That's that's the part that – because I'm definitely taking this from the angle of current management, unfortunately. Well, um, you've, already, you've already screwed up. <laughs> uh, so the first thing I'm going to do because – Epcot, we've talked about it. It's lost its identity over the years, you know, okay. especially with the incorporation You're of characters. You're changing the name, aren't you, you asshole? And, well, no, no, not changing the name. Um, but, you know, with characters and, you know, rides based around innovations and, and technology. And uh, it, it, we just don't know where we're at. What are we doing? You World Showcase. What, what, what are we at? So the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to spend about – $15 million, and I'm going to put in large sequined letters above Spaceship Earth the word <laughs> Epcot. Okay. And just so everybody knows that they're at Epcot. No, I'm kidding. I'm not doing that. Are we that. changing John- the anagram, too? You're going to put a parade in? It'll be uh, every princess character on trucks going around World Showcase. This, is isn't, this isn't funny. This isn't fun. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I won't do that. Sorry. No love uh, for my uh, acronym there? I, I like that. That was good. Uh <laughs> So we talked about Figment being the, being an update because I was definitely going to allot some money to Figment and believe it or not, it was going to be a Figment ride. We were going to just it was I, I want Figment there. I want a uh, you know a turn to the original uh, ride that we had beforehand. You know, but maybe some new bells and whistles uh, technology wise. Hannah Montana starring Figment. No, no, no. And I know I talked about you know. <laughs> Wasn't the it, rule you can't touch this pavilion? What is Ben even doing? No, no, no. Here? I'm not. I'm not. We talked. That was one of the rules that we all anticipate an imagination update. I just yep. want to make sure it's clear that I want this to be a Figment update okay. uh, on that ride. Uh, I was going to a lot money to make this an updated imagination uh, Figment attraction, but since that's taken off the table, I'm not going to touch that. I am going to touch part of this building, a, a part of this area, though, because I Journey think some into of your the- imagination with Kermit. No, Kermit's, <laughs> that's what Kermit's I was expecting. fine. Uh, I, you know, on one of the old shows, we were putting inside the. I put uh, Inside Out. Uh, you know, in the in the attraction with Figment, we talked yep. about that entire attraction, but I don't want that here. I do think an entirely wasted space right now, though, is the Pixar Animation Festival show. Oh, absolutely. It's terrible. Uh, you know, we can literally watch all those things on Disney Plus these days. You can watch them on YouTube. It's wasted space. So I'm going to start by taking $25 million and I'm going to put an inside-out show here. Okay. Uh, what I'm going to do, though, is one of my all-time favorite attractions at Epcot uh, was Cranium Command. I absolutely Agreed. love Cranium Command. So the thought here is a Cranium Command type attraction where we are inside the head. Of, it can be Riley from the movie. It can be inside the head of a, a new person, but we're going to be introduced to the, uh, those two oh, premises well. <laughs> inside out and cranium command are very, very similar. Yes. Um, yep. We're, we're laughing because in the chat, uh, Josh just said, <laughs> Ben doesn't hate it as much as I thought. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually yeah. kind of relieved. I thought this so, was going to be really, he's really. He's only rough. spent 25 million so far. Give yeah, him, he's got plenty just, of. Yeah, he, said, he said a lot on, of things buddy. that 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 uh, that give me some hope. 
yeah, I'm, oh. I'm starting off with a bang for you. Let me uh, know, buddy. But yes, I want a I want a modern version of Cranium Command featuring the Inside Out characters. I want full size audio animatronics. I think it would be fantastic. Where they're at their control panel, we're sitting behind them. We have the large screen that gives us the view of the uh, the person that we're inside. They turn, you know, they can turn around. They interact with the crowd, the audience. Uh, I'm in. I'm in I for Inside it, I, Out and Epcot. I think that would be a fantastic use of this space. Uh, so Just from not there, as a figment replacement. No, no. I, I want Figment in his ride. I want Figment back to his glory. I want a lot of money spent on that to update that attraction. But uh, His we, ride. We, it is his ride. It's it his has ride. a name. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're then going to hop over into World Showcase uh, and, and over in the uh, American Adventure Pavilion in the theater out front. We're we're going to spend $5 million and we're going to call this the Hits of Hamilton. Okay. And, uh, you know. Wait, where I, is this? In front of, where is this exactly? The America Gardens Theater? The outdoor yes, theater? the American Garden. Yeah, okay. the outdoor theater. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, I think, it, I, think it's, I think it would actually be a draw. I've mentioned Hamilton many times on this show and, and, on, mm-hmm. and with every different area. Uh you know, I'm actually surprised that the Voice of Liberty don't incorporate some of the songs if they don't already uh, right now. But I think you could do something along the lines of a Voices of Liberty type show out there uh, with Hamilton. And I, I honestly think it would be I'm 100% a on board with massive, this massive hit, uh, even to the point that I don't think you'd need to bring in new acts for Food and Wine, for Flower and Garden. I think this thing could run year round. I think it would have... Uh, I think it would even have their own groupies where people would intentionally just come out to this as many times as they could to, to watch the show, sing along. It'd be a blast. So I just want to hear in World Showcase somebody say, how does a bastard orphan son of a whore? Uh, I, want, I want to hear it, that in World Showcase. Yes, I do want language. Uh, <laughs> that is That was part of the, the – the, I thought that would be funny as well. Uh, <laughs> but we're also going to stay in World Showcase at this point because along uh, – like you, Coco needs to go into Mexico. Yep. Uh Without a doubt. And I know there's going to need to be some infrastructure built in. The queue would not be able to handle uh, a Coco ride as it stands right now. So uh, you'd, you'd have to do a lot of retheming, uh, reimagining that area inside. Maybe there's some additional building spaces built outside to, to help handle a queue. But $75 million, like you said, is going to be allotted to a Coco attraction going in Mexico. I think you lose uh, a couple of shops. That's the logical thing. That's a pretty sh- – tight budget for a full-on attraction. Well, I mean, it's it's an overlay of an existing attraction. Correct. And yep. the okay. 75 mil, what was was what was actually quoted on those five-year build-outs that we saw. All right. What do I know? And I told if you, you I listen, don't know what this shit costs. <laughs> if you listen closely, me talking about Coco going to this pavilion, uh, Derek just blocked me again from the <laughs> uh, e-ticket Facebook group. Yeah. Jerk. Okay, this is where we get fun uh, because we, we're going with the current management idea, and I think it's a fantastic idea that that, that is going to be explored more throughout the park because we're going to go over to the China Pavilion and the Circle, Village, Circle Vision Theater with uh, Wonders of China. We're going to take that out completely, and we're going to put a Mulan sing-along. Uh, I thought you were going to say <laughs> manufacturing plant. <laughs> nope. Uh, we're going to put a Mulan sing-along inside the Circle Vision. We're going to spend $2.5 million to uh, come up with a new movie, new animation, and people are going to go in there and sing Reflections, and I'll make a man out of you. It'll be a blast. Uh, okay. Maybe may, maybe we'll put a Mushu animatronic in there as well. We'll see. But, uh, you know, the, China needs a uh, 
an IP in there, and uh, that's that's how we're going to shoehorn it in. So uh, the Imagineers, though, are going to get so excited about this attraction that they're going to go, do we have any more Circle Vision theaters uh, around Epcot that, that don't have an IP in it? And they're going to go, yes, Canada. <laughs> so we're going to do the Brother Bear sing-along over yeah. uh, over there. So we have the Beauty and the Beast sing-along. We have the Brother Bear sing-along. We have the Mulan sing-along. Uh, uh, all in world show. Way too much singing. There's so much singing. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, also people sing along joy. in Hamilton as well. So, yeah, in Hamilton, so much music going along. Only so. sad people sing. Everyone knows that. <laughs> uh, so that's enough over in World Showcase for now. We'll be back. Um, but we're going we're gonna <laughs> to... Don't threaten me. <laughs> uh, we're going to head over to the seas. And uh, I like the Nemo ride. Uh, good. I like back. it. I, I do think no it's... No being allies. <laughs> I think it's dated. Uh, I don't think the ride system's dated, so we're going to keep the Omni Mover in there. Uh, but everything based around finding Nemo, we found Nemo already. Uh, we, you know, we found Nemo and we've lost Dory in the time period since this attraction has gone in. So Put I think Waldo the- in there. Blow everyone's mind. <laughs> That's right. I, what I want to do here, though. The corpse of Waldo floating in the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I found something. Where's my prize? <laughs> what we're going to do here is we're going to bring some back, back some of the educational aspect. Of the original version of this attraction. And I think we can be on a journey with Mr. Ray exploring the seas and being introduced to... See, that makes to- so much more sense than what's there now. Yep. So we're, we're going to be introduced to new sea life. We're going to be introduced to coral reefs. We're going to be educated about things that we find under the sea with Mr. Ray along this journey. So... Ride system stays the same, but we're going to tear out all the show scenes uh, ahead of the tanks and rethink... Uh, this Mr. Ray is going to be the key character in this, not Nemo, but we'll be with Nemo. We'll be with all of his friends and we're going to learn about things as we move along uh, the attraction before we exit and learn more about sea life. Uh, I'm fine with See, this. if that's what they did at the outset, I'm, I would be so yeah. much more of a fan. So cool. You're doing you're a bad job of fucking this up Ben. other than your sing-alongs everywhere. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I actually thought you were going to come in and really offend my soul but i think you have had the best ideas of anyone so far hold on we're not done yet we're only i believe you're i totally believe you're gonna ruin it but i just want to go (laughs) up till now i think you've done great so about uh, i'm guessing there's a 15 15 to 20 million dollar budget there because we're we're just doing show scenes uh so nothing too crazy but i think the experience can be a lot better than what it currently is okay now between the seas and the land we're gonna add a pavilion And because every, you know, movie from like the last 20 years eventually becomes a Disney plus television series. Yep. I fully believe at some point this, this IP is going to become a a, a weekly series on Disney plus. So between those two, you're going to see the facade of the American museum of natural history. Okay. And Mm. I've always (sighs) wanted to figure out a way to bring over mystic manor and that ride system and that oh, idea yeah. to to the, the the stateside parks. And what we're going to see here is that same ride system, that same concept built around Night at the Museum. <sighs> now <All> that right. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I, oh, I, yes. I don't know what to think of it, but I also. Oh, yeah. it's, it's not bad as what you think of it. No, it's I, worse I, I than Frozen. I mean, if, if Disney <laughs> proposed it. I don't. I don't know where I'd sit with that. I think I'd. I'd be upset because I wouldn't think that it's really a Disney property. 
Yep. But I also like if it's you drill not an down. Epcot thing, that's for sure. But if if you drill down to what it is at its core, it's not that far off. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I love how I love the disdain you have to deliver <laughs> that with. <laughs> I don't want to be happy about it. It's not at the that same far time. Like, this anthropomorphic really fish than- really bothers me, but a mummy would be fine. Is it, <laughs> like, is it really any worse than frozen? <laughs> <laughs> nope, it well, isn't. I, it is as bad. It is on that level. It's educational. We can pick the scenes we want to see in there, and the things come to life in front of your eyes. If you were uh, any less convincing, you'd be speaking in front of D23 next year. This would be e-ticket level. I mean, people would just love this. Uh, I'm spending about $200 million on this attraction. Because <laughs> uh, it's it. I, I, we're going to talk to Ben Stiller and see if he's available. Owen Wilson, they're going to be fantastic in it. Um, but yes, I, I that's going to be my newest, big new addition uh, over there to Future World or whatever the hell the neighborhood is yeah, called so in that area. Yeah, so it wouldn't necessarily fit there with their new uh, redistricting um, of, of Future World. It would probably be better suited on the other side uh, as part of World Discovery. But, yeah, but yeah. I need that space on World Discovery uh, for yeah. other stuff. So <sighs> What I do like about Ben's budgeting is... He's like, all right, five million to update the seas. <laughs> uh, we want to add I a hot dog 20. to the menu. We want to add a hot dog to the menu at the American Adventure Pavilion. That's six hundred million right there. Uh, <laughs> when I picked my major at college, I sat down with the with the the uh, administrator. I was like, what? Major, do I have to do the least amount of math and science in? And they're like radio, TV, Law. film, and that's what I did. So yes, my numbers are terrible, but that's you guys are going to live with it. But uh, so while this amazing new attraction is going to go between the seas and the land. We got to do something to pull a few people away. So inside the land pavilion, we're going to take amazing planet and we're going to get rid of that. And we're going to use that theater for the lion King sing along. <laughs> we already have okay. that at the animal kingdom. So I, 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 I get, don't have it at Epcot. We're going to have it at Epcot. I get the punchline now. So everything's just a sing along, right? Is there anything on your list that isn't a sing along? Did you add a I've, character meet and greet? Uh, no, but there's plenty of things that haven't been a sing-along. So, um, mm. so we're going to add that. That's going to draw some people in because who doesn't love singing, you know, uh, the songs of the Lion King? So it's, it's going to be a major draw. Nobody goes to Amazing Planet. Let's be real. Come on. It's called uh, Awesome Planet. That's probably awesome why. Planet, if they're, if they're looking true. for Amazing Planet. <laughs> that's how that's it. how unpopular it is. I don't even know the effing name to it. So, is Simon uh, Cowell on your payroll anywhere? Because there's a lot of singing <laughs> going on here. The Teletubbies so, are his next projects. So <laughs> after this, the Imagineers are going to realize, you know, uh, Cosmic Rewind's going to be a massive hit. People are going to love it. It's going to draw major crowds, and all the Imagineers are going to think, especially Chape, not Chapex, not an Imagineer, but Chapex going to make them think this as well. Is like, how can we get more Guardians in Epcot? And they're going to realize. (laughs) No, no. We've already done that, actually. They're going to realize. Is the answer ball bearings? No, people. Okay. They're going to realize that people would rather fly to Xandar than to Mars. Let's be honest. So they're going to rename Mission Space to Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Space. And you're going to fly along. You're going to be inside the ship with Rocket and everybody. And you're going to go on a mission to help save the universe again with the Guardians of the Galaxy. uh, I'm already on my way to Holy Land experience right now. (laughs) So Mission Space. That's what a, a... 
30 to $40 million redo. We're going to keep the ride system. Everything's going to stay the same. We're just going to do a, a, a new movie in there. We'll actually, you know, retheme the exit. We've got to do some theming inside the building, probably change some of the, uh, the facade out front. Uh, so th- there's a lot more of uh, just design and look uh, that I need to put some money in towards. Uh, but the ride system will stay the same. So I'm going to interrupt right here. Uh, the original conceit of Mission Space was to build it in Epcot. It was going to be a hit, and they're going to build it in Tomorrowlands around the world. If it existed in Tomorrowland, I would have zero opposition with that change. Like if they had originally put Mission Space in Tomorrowland and were looking for an update to it, I'd be 100% on board with that. It is yeah. a awesome Tomorrowland ride. It is a terrible future world ride. But see, you guys are forgetting what Epcot is now. They're back on episode three oh. of the show, Tom the fact Fitzgerald that just came said, out of your mouth is really hurtful to me. <laughs> Tom Fitzgerald said at the D23 Expo that Epcot is where the fantasy becomes real. And yes. so <laughs> That's what we're doing here. So, yes, Guardians is going to go into Mission Space, and it's going to be insanely popular, just like Cosmic Rewind, which is going to make Bob Chapek and the Imagineers go, how do we get more Guardians into Epcot? I'll tell you how. There's this huge show building for Cosmic Rewind that is an eyesore. We agree. It's a a massive eyesore. (laughs) But you know what makes it less than an eyesore? Painting it red. Nope. If you put a large (laughs) digital screen on it. Okay. (laughs) Close. <laughs> with, with seating in front of that screen for the, yes, you guessed it, Guardians of the Galaxy sing-along. We're going to sing along to the songs of the soundtrack. Everybody loves the soundtrack to Guardians of the Galaxy. This is where we're going to do it. And so it, that the it's not this big blank building anymore. It's a big blank building with a big digital video screen on it showing music videos all day long. So, uh, which is not a lot different than what harmonious is going to be, to be honest with you, you know, so we're fine. (laughs) Josh just left. (laughs) So if you, I'm, I'm done with the neighborhoods, future world, whatever the hell it's called these days. We're going to head back over to world show. We're going to head back over to World Showcase because we do have two more things to go in over there. Some of the world's not yet in rubble. No. <laughs> so to finish off my budgeted attractions. You're uh, finishing now, them off, all right? Yeah. It's, the way now, Hitman does. You're going to like this one. Okay, come on. Uh, now that Disney basically they, – they own the Morocco Pavilion. It's theirs. And so that doesn't – that doesn't – make me feel bad for putting an IP in there. So we're going to spend the same money as the Beauty and the Beast uh, attraction uh, over in Shanghai. We're going to spend $300 million on an Aladdin attraction that's on that same level, that same concept, uh, audio animatronic base, uh, trackless ride system, uh, massive show building. It's going to go back there behind the Morocco Pavilion. So that gets us another character into World Showcase, uh, and so based on all of those updates alone, we're looking at about six hundred and sixty-seven million dollars. Uh, and it does the qu- the key thing of adding IPs absolutely everywhere, which is what this. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, this current group is probably going to go for much more realistically than you know building infrastructure and a uh, 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 people mover from the TTC to Epcot. Uh, I, as much as Josh hates to admit that, that's uh, my ideas are much more uh, realistic to possibly happen. It wouldn't shock me if some of these ideas actually happened. That's the, that's the sad <laughs> part of this that I, I, I did this as a joke until I sat down at the end and went, maybe half of these actually might actually happen. I counted five sing-alongs. <laughs> I think I had six. <laughs> actually, 
I was trying to I was trying to get them all. And I I wasn't sure. You had uh, uh, Hamilton, um, yep. which I think I think we're actually on board with. Yep. Yep. Mulan, Mulan. Lion King, Guardians, Brother, Brother, Brother Bear. Bear. <laughs> that was the other one. <laughs> were there actual songs in Brother Bear? <laughs> uh, it was uh, was that. Phil Collins, or you know, I think that was the second Phil Collins. Uh, Who had yeah, Brother uh, Bear invisible, getting mentions on this podcast? Uh, sung by. <laughs> if anybody's playing Marty called Bingo, and they had Brother Bear getting multiple mentions, <laughs> they fucking dominating right now. <laughs> uh, if you're playing a drinking game, you're in the emergency room. So, so I'm about six hundred sixty-seven million dollars there, but you know what? I haven't added my pavilion yet. Okay, what are we doing there? Oh, so I thought bet- we were done. No, nope, <laughs> between between Germany and Italy, yeah, we're gonna add Ireland. Okay. And I know you're thinking already, there's already a UK pavilion. Yes, but Ireland is not part of the UK. Northern but Ireland is- too drunk is, to notice. But not, the, but not, not, not Ireland. And how, much, I- how much is a car bomb? That's all I want to know. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to have to start drinking after this. That's true. That's true. Uh, Welcome to the potato blight experience. You just drive through dirt. Yes. Uh, well, part of, part of it is because I, I have been to- uh, uh, I've been to Dublin, and I actually think there could be a pretty cool setting over there for uh, get some Guinness sponsorship, maybe. Yes. Why is it always I, raining in the Ireland Pavilion? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I, th- I honestly think there could be some pubs. Uh, I, I that was some if of the there, most. Fun. If there aren't pubs, then they've effed it up. Exactly. There's no pubs on this side. I think there was some. Uh, there's some definite misses on this side of World Showcase. So the key here is the Germany pub does experience. Have the constant I w- like beer garden though. It it does as a restaurant, uh, but not just as a walk up and go get your pint unless you want to get it from a cart outside. Which well, yeah, again, I mean, there's festivals all all year, so there's always yep. a, the, the Germany <laughs> beer garden stand. But yeah. but my thought here is something even along the lines of, uh, you know, you could do something along the lines of of Raglan Road because okay. the the Irish bars and the Irish pubs it is it lends itself to the sing along. It lends itself to the pint. <laughs> makes <laughs> number fun. seven. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it. They have fun over there, and that's what I want to have is a fun, lively, bigger space than the Rosen Crown to engage in a, things like this. Yes. Can I ask you a question, Ben? Do you like to sing? I love to sing. Do you sing I mean, a lot? Do you sing well, more? So you're about ba- you're a bachelor for a month, right? I'm just curious. Do I, you sing in the house more now that you're alone, or did you do it more when your so, family was? Around? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you, I know you uh, asked that as a as a kind of a joke, uh, but I do have uh, a real answer to that. I don't know what um, you're talking about. I was dead serious. So, my family goes away to Massachusetts for a month every year. My my wife is from Massachusetts, and so she goes up and spends time with her family while I stay back and work. And I te- typically have a month off to myself every year. Uh, I have not done it yet, but this the, these month experiences used to be my key time to play. Guitar Hero and Rock Band as loud as I wanted to with nobody around. So, yes, uh, that included having the microphone and the sing-alongs on Rock Band. Um, so a lot more singing does happen in this house when I'm by myself. I, didn't I know can't believe you haven't announced a virgin sing-along based on the story that I just heard. Well, uh, part of my Ireland uh, pavilion, though, is going to be the U2 sing-along that we're going to build out back as the <laughs> D-ticket attraction for here. So okay. we're going to strike a deal with U2. 
uh, because everybody knows every song to U2. Come on, they're a great sing-along band, and we're going to have a uh, U2 sing-along back here. So that's what six or seven sing-alongs going into my episode. You totally screwed up. If you'd yeah. added a Darfur pavilion, uh, Bono <laughs> would have donated like $500 billion for you to build up Tits roller coaster in it. Well, how do you think... <laughs> God, I'm not doing it. Nope. I'm stopping. Nope. Come on, that's the best nope. joke of the night right there. <laughs> I was going to go with, if you build an Ireland pavilion, you'd actually get a free U2 album with it. Oh, and they force it onto you, whatever device you just, bring into the park. Even, even if you don't go into the Ireland pavilion, as you walk by it to go yeah, to Germany, you're like, what the hell is this? Your phone. <laughs> what the if you don't bring a phone, when you get back to your hotel, there's sheet music in your pocket. You don't even know how. <laughs> Uh, so that's my Epcot updates. Tell me, uh, I mean, it's quite obvious that my ideas are the best, but uh, no. do you guys have any more input on, on that? Yeah, I mean, if I were you, I would have added a little bit of singing. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, can we uh, add some singing? You don't want to get rid of Big Blue World on the Seas ride. You got to keep that. Maybe yep. uh, get the, uh, uh, the 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 Snyder Cut of Big Blue World. You can go <laughs> whatever the longer version of it is. I figured you guys would just be happy I didn't put Time Racers inside uh, Spaceship Earth. So. <laughs> well, I think that's I think the only reason that didn't happen is because Tim specifically said you couldn't touch it. Right. Oh, holy crap! I didn't think Time Race Guardians of the Galaxy Time Racers. There you so go. We I'd be okay Guardians. With that. That's kind of what we're getting. They couldn't put it in Spaceship Earth. So like, well, let's just build a giant square next to it. Yeah. Yep. High fives. Uh, people are gonna love my ideas in the comments. I already know. It's so. Let's see. I I'm with you on Hamilton in America Gardens Theater. Concur. I'm I'm with you on your C's redo. Okay. Eh, indifferent, but I don't disagree. But I mean, with like, it. it's better than what's there. Uh, yeah. certainly. We're there with Coco because you had Coco as well. Yeah, Coco. I'm I'm there. I wouldn't mind an Ireland Pavilion. I think it's a it's redundant, but I wouldn't mind it. Whoa! I your, think you uh, just offended an entire country. Yep. What was your What was your country? Uh, country, Josh. Uh, uh, parking, that would be lot? Germany. Okay, just added to Germany. Okay. Yeah, I'd ride River Ride in Germany and then uh, delete parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Josh just like looked at the rules and just said, fuck it. I'm not going to do any of that. No, it's just, <laughs> the parking lot's been there for 20 years. I'm allowed to demolish it. I follow the rules exactly. <laughs> the parking lot's right. dumb. And, and you're building a spaceship is what you're doing. There's nothing more anti – there's nothing more different than Epcot than a giant parking lot in front of it. That is a massive screw-up. Stand by my That's answer. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, oh, and I did have a – I did want to budget in a name change to Disney's Hollywood Studios 2. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Hollywood Studios East. <laughs> Do we have anything else for this train wreck of a show? It, it wasn't a train wreck until I went, but sorry about no, that. No, I, I think I ruined it. I apologize to the listeners and mainly to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if you have any, if you have any questions God. or uh, topic ideas, you can email us at martycalled.gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter under the username at martycalled or join in on the discussions in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash martycalled. Uh, we'd also appreciate our listeners bookmarking our Amazon affiliate link over on martycalled.com. Fourth of July is coming up, but more importantly, the fifth of July is following that. Josh, do you know what uh, the fifth of July is? Yes, that is the That's day. That's right. That it's Amazon- National Bikini Day. <laughs> I know. I buy all my bikinis directly on Amazon, and you should too, using our Amazon affiliate link. Link is directly on martycalled.com. Just start your navigation there and help fund the show with purchases you're going to make anyway. Ben, where can we find you online? Uh, I was just going to say before that. Uh, back when I was on the Jungle Cruise, I always like I did uh, spend all day of the fifth of July. You know, telling everybody happy 5th of July and just getting the weird look back on their faces. So 
Uh, I like that joke that you that you distributed there, Tim. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at backside underscore water, uh, and you can also find my- recently followed by my wife. Yes, Ooh. yes, I followed her back. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. Um, hey, now. Uh, she's all up in my DMs. I don't know what that's about. But uh, <laughs> Did she slide into them? I hear that's what the she kids are doing. She slid yes. into my DMs immediately. It's like, whoa, hold on. Wow. That's how Gary got kicked off the show. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and you can find my top 10 column in every issue of Attractions Magazine. And I do want to say that uh, I mentioned this last episode. Uh, slid into Tim again. No. Uh, we got some great stuff. Please... Go to our uh, social pages, Facebook and Twitter. Let us know what you thought of our ideas here and give us your own ideas uh, on how you would update Epcot yourself. We had some. Where did Ben miss out on the uh, sing along category? That's, where uh, else could he have added them? Yeah, yeah, where else could I put one? So uh, I had a kick reading everybody's feedback uh, after last episode. So please uh, head over there and let us know what you thought of our ideas and what you would do with a budget that uh, we put forth. Yes, definitely. Uh, Josh, where can we find you online? Uh, utilidors.com and you're going to want to check in in about 72 hours I have a new line of shit on a hydrolator hoodies that you're going to want to go ahead and purchase I think it is going to be the fashion statement for uh, summer 2021 and you can find me at WDW theme parks and wdwthemeparks.com neither of which are followed by my wife uh, have a good one everybody <laughs> good night mister I'll make a man out of you don't shit on a hydrolator. Run, don't hide, it will be alright, you'll see, trust me, I'll be there watching over you, just take a look through my eyes, there's a better place somewhere out there, just take a look through my eyes, everything changes You'll be amazed what you'll find There's a better place if you look through my eyes